Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Colleges are winding down their academic years. Now, this was the second full academic year that took place during the COVID-19 pandemic. And while it wasn't nearly as chaotic as the 2020-2021 school year, it had its own challenges. We wanted to find out firsthand about some of these challenges and what the last year has been like. So we caught up with Dr. Chris Fiorentino. He is the president of Westchester University. So we spoke before kind of about the challenge of a COVID year as a college president. Uh, We kind of wanted to touch base here uh, as you wrap up a year, quote unquote, closely back to normal with the kids back in classes and, and such Uh, overall, how did it go kind of uh, getting everybody back into what we knew to be normalcy? Well, of course, this year was very different from the previous year because we we started out right out of the gate uh, back on campus but everybody had to be masked and the students were excited to be back. They had, they didn't like it that much to be away from the campus. Um, matter of fact, I would say absence from the campus was, was a more critical issue for a lot of them than whether the classes were remote or not. They just missed being a part of the campus community. And we made it clear to them that if we were going to be able to come back and stay back, that they were going to have to, to toe the line and wear masks. And they did. So we, we went through the whole fall semester and we were face to face. And I will say, uh, having to, to be part of the masking experience, if you find yourself in a long class or, or a, a long meeting or whatever where you're wearing a mask, it, it, it can be onerous. It, it can really impact how you're feeling and, and your comfort level and so forth. So we had everybody within the community um, participating in that. And, uh, and it got us through this, the fall semester very well. And of course, things were starting to let up as we were wrapping up the fall semester. But then of course the Omicron virus, the first wave of that started to, to kick up. And while we were here, we were expecting that we were going to be moving into more normal circumstances, all of a sudden we found ourselves having to make a decision to uh, stay remote for the first two weeks of the semester. And I really have to say that it was, it was interesting because uh, we were, we were tracking what the experts were saying and we were watching these rapid uh, increases, peaks, and then rapid declines. And we really believed that based on the evidence that we were going to see a a rapid increase and a rapid decline within about a two week period. So we told everybody we're going to stay remote for two weeks. And then on February 7th, we're going to, we're going to reopen face to face, but we're going to continue our masking. And people, some people were skeptical. Yeah, you know, once you go remote, you're going to stay remote, but we didn't. We we followed through on that. We opened at the two-week mark, and uh, things were things were steady. We were wearing masks. We were expecting at that point to wear masks through the semester, and um, then things started to really improve. and And uh, the CDC came out with some new guidance. And over the course of um, a period of time, we we stopped doing the the kind of mandatory testing that we had implemented. And then uh, on February 28th, with the CDC made its, its changes and its guidance on that previous Friday, and we announced that we were moving immediately to mask optional. And that's, that's where we stand now. And uh, Chester County 
our, our home county is highly vaccinated and um, remains in the green. Uh, obviously, the focus at this point is how the hospitals are doing and, and, and our hospitalization rates are, are extremely low. So we will continue to monitor the, the circumstances, but, but so far so good. We've, we've been through uh, the bulk of this semester face-to-face, -face, the first few weeks with masks and the remaining part masks optional. Now, you know, the, the students clearly prefer being on campus, being face-to-face, -face. Um, but it, it's important to remember that uh, we, especially for, our, for our, our, our graduate classes, a lot of them are, are remote. And while we did have to pivot quite a bit in, in the beginning to, to shift everything to, to the, uh, the remote delivery, uh, we already had a lot of experience with it and um, we're able to adapt very quickly. I, I think that maybe one of the, the big things that we, uh, that we were able to learn about ourselves, and I, I know I said this last time we spoke, but uh, universities uh, turned out to be more agile than anybody really believed. We were able to adapt to the circumstances that we faced and continue to operate. The students continued to make progress. And uh, while there, there were complaints, and, and I think that, uh, that some of the remote delivery was, was less satisfactory to the students than, than the face-to-face, -face, uh, they completed their classes. They, they made progress. We, we were able to, to keep the university functioning. And as we moved into this semester, Things, things did start to feel almost normal. You mentioned the masking, and I'm just curious because masking has become such a flashpoint across the country. Uh, did you have any issues when you were mandatory with the masking uh, with people that were pretty strident that they weren't, or did everybody kind of understand that to get where we want to be, this is, this is the path? Well, it's interesting. We, in the fall semester, things went pretty well because uh, what I said was, if we start to see a significant uptick in, in the virus, we're going to have to go back to remote. And, and people, people believe that. But as we moved into the spring, of course, the, the credibility around a lot of this started to erode. And, uh, and we started to see a little more, uh, I guess what I'll call civil disobedience. Uh, you know, in, so, in some of our events, uh, we would have people in the audience who didn't have masks on. And then you're faced with a situation of, are, am I going to make a scene here? Am, am I going to, to, to um, uh, single out people in the crowd at a commencement ceremony and, and spoil the ceremony? Or am I just going to, to live with a little bit of civil disobedience? And as time went on, uh, it became more and more controversial. And that's where we really started to look at this and say, should we continue this or not? It doesn't seem to be making that big of a difference in terms of health. The, the, um, the Omicron variant was was uh, highly contagious, but not highly serious in, in terms of what we were learning. And um, so we got to a point where we felt that we could comfortably move to uh, masks optional. And frankly, if we didn't, I think we would have seen mounting pressure uh, through you know what I'm calling civil disobedience, where people were just saying, "This is ridiculous. I don't want to." I don't want to wear a mask anymore because it's not really making any difference. So th that was really our thinking. And, and once we got there, we were very, very careful to say people have to make their own choices. If people are comfortable wearing masks, then they should be allowed to wear masks. And, and I don't want the rest of the community ridiculing them about it. You know, if people have a good reason to wear a mask, that's their choice. And generally speaking, I was, I was proud of how our, how our community responded to that. And, 
you know, I would walk around the campus from time to time and, and look into classrooms and some would have masks on, a lot didn't. Some faculty members had masks on, a lot didn't. So it, it, it seemed to work out pretty well at that point. But by making it optional, we, we took away the sort of confrontational nature of, of the mask issue. How have your enrollment numbers kind of come through the last couple of years? Well, the, the, the first year, the, the year that was fully remote, we actually maintained stable enrollment. Actually, we had a slight uptick in enrollment. This past year, this the year we're wrapping up right now, we did have a, a, a small downturn. It was, I think our, our headcount enrollment was down about 79 students, something like that. And our, our FTE, I don't want to get too technical on you, but our FTE enrollment was, it, it fell by a few hundred. Um, and that's not surprising. There were a lot of people who just felt uncomfortable with their, their children being on a college campus under those circumstances. What we're seeing right now in terms of preparation for next year, all of our numbers are up, our, our housing reservations and our applications pools and our deposits. So uh, at this point, we're, we're anticipating based on what we're seeing right now that uh, uh, unless some, of course, some major uh, flip occurs again, that we're going to be looking at getting back to to the, the path that we were on prior to the pandemic and maybe even doing a little better. Did the last couple of years with enrollment about the same with paying with testing and all that has how much of a financial burden did you have did the the last couple of years make just kind of purely looking at it through the the COVID-19 lens? Well, because we were able to stay open and continue to operate, the students were still paying tuition, so we, we and we were still getting our state appropriations. So the bulk of what we call our educational and general operation was was intact. A lot of the the services on a university campus uh, are auxiliary services, housing, dining, uh, rec centers, and so forth. And and a lot of those activities, because we had uh, in the first year, especially such a such a, an empty campus, we took a significant financial hit in in a lot of those areas. Um, uh, about sixty percent of our housing is actually owned by by a separate organization that is uh, paying debt service on those on those bonds, and they took a significant hit because they lost their their revenue stream and they had to, to scramble to keep things moving, but. Uh, we benefited significantly from the, the funding from the federal government. We did receive, I think, about $32 million, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, about half of that went directly to students to, to support them uh, in terms of job losses or students in the community who had apartments and, and uh, still had to pay their rent. We were able to give some rent support there. And then about half of it helped to defray the, the cost of the institution. So we're still digging our way out. A little bit, but we're we have a plan. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right now, uh, to a great extent, we're we're working on replenishing some of our our reserves. Obviously, you have reserves to protect you from unexpected things, and we certainly burned through burnt through our reserves, and and uh, we're working to replenish them now. But um, it was a it was a financial challenge. It, it will continue to be a challenge. It'll take us a few years to to fully recover from. But uh, again, we're we're doing okay. What have the last two years added to the tool chest? I mean, obviously, the ability to go remote and to offer more remote learning uh, by choice rather than by you know having to. 
but have you have there been other things that you learned or other theories that maybe were just theories that you had to put in practice that ended up working pretty good? Uh, what have, what are some things that you've learned the last couple of years? Well, it's, it's funny the 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 kind of Zoom uh, approach that we talk about. Uh, it, it's very beneficial. Uh, there is Zoom burnout is real. I mean, I would not want to function this way 100%. Um, but it has given us another tool. And I think one of, the, one of the real benefits from it is that everybody has had to learn how to operate in this electronic environment, whether you're grandparents or, or whatever. Um, so it really has given us a way to conduct business, to, to engage with external constituencies uh, using this remote tool as as one one tool of many, and and that's been a valuable thing. Uh, it, it, attendance at at meetings uh, with external constituencies tend to improve because some people want to come face to face, and some find it more convenient to be on Zoom because they don't have to drive as far. Let's say so. We're seeing overall attendance uh, in, improving because of that, and in some cases, you know, we just have the option to to have a quick Zoom meeting without having to gather people together. I can tell you the presidents of the 14 state universities that are scattered all over the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, we continue to meet on Zoom because it saves, in some cases, five, six hours of driving for some of the presidents to get to our central locations where we meet. Um, I think another big aspect of this has been the business operation of the university. and, and beyond that, even the, the, the academic advising for the students. Students can engage, if you look at what we're doing right now, the two of us are having a one-on-one conversation here. And while it's not, we're not in the same room, we're still just the two of us having a conversation. And the students have really indicated that they like to be able to engage with faculty in a one-on-one setting like this. It's very convenient. And, and uh, other activities of the university, the registrar's office where they schedule their classes, the bursar's office where they pay their bills, the financial aid office, all these operations that have traditionally been places where students have to go and stand in line. This is an electronic generation. They're accustomed to doing business online. Look at, look at all the online purchasing that's going on. It's logical for us to continue to leverage that because it, it really does improve the quality of the of the business services that we're able to deliver to the to the community to the campus community a lot of the discussion we've i've has kind of been focused on the experience of the student how about the staff and faculty you know when it comes to when you went mask optional was there concern you know that some teachers teaching in a group of students that aren't masked when you look at it through the last year for the staff and faculty, what were some issues that that came to light? Well, that was a that was a big issue, and I, and keeping in mind that when we started this thing, we also we saw this as life or death. I mean, we we didn't know what this virus was going to be, and and we were worried that if people were going to get the virus, they were they were going to die or be very very sick. And as time went on, and and the, and the the seriousness of the cases started to to subside a little bit. Uh, that took some of the pressure off, but we still had a lot of our employees, faculty and staff, who have small children at home who, who uh, for, for quite a while, even, even uh, five to 12-year-olds couldn't get vaccinated. And certainly even now, the, the, the younger children are not getting vaccinated. So we were very mindful of the fact that we were not just worried about what was happening on our campus, but uh, 
what were our what were our uh, faculty and staff taking home with them and, and you know our students and you know maybe they have a grandparent living at home so we didn't want to be cavalier about that but again as time went on and we started to see less and less severe cases of the disease and, and fewer hospitalizations and uh, really uh, nobody dying in in our in our community um, we got to a point where we felt comfortable and we said to the faculty, if, if you want a mask, then absolutely you wear a mask. But of course, once the once the schools went back face to face and mask optional, the elementary schools, the high schools and so forth, you know, then that, that changed it really completely because then it was not just the experience that that our faculty had, but their students were actually out there being exposed to, to community members also. So that's where we really found ourselves earlier this semester. And, and by that time, I didn't really feel like I was making life or death decisions anymore. The people were able to make their own decisions to get vaccinated or not, to wear a mask or not. And, and uh, that seems to be really where we are at this point. There's the college and then there's the community surrounding the college. Have the last two years had a positive negative effect on that dynamic? Has it been flat? You know, life is the same as it was before the pandemic. Uh, you know, has there been any change in there? Well, it's one of the things about a college town is that the, the the university is a is a huge economic driver in the community, and to the extent that that we had uh, for a full year, no no one really on the campus, or very few people on the campus, that did have an economic impact uh, in the community, and to, uh, to the extent that people were not renting apartments, that had an economic impact on the community. Um, also, that we we have a community here filled with with apartments that that uh, are filled with college students, and uh, and of course having large numbers of young people around can sometimes be frustrating to neighbors if kids are having parties or or sometimes they're loud. So to some extent, that was mitigated a little bit, but this past year has been more normal, and um, we we continue to to engage in the community. I, I think we. We, uh, we've learned to appreciate each other a little more. Uh, one of the interesting implica implications for the borough of Westchester is that they get a lot of parking meter revenue from people coming to the campus and parking at their meters. And so it was a, it was a significant financial hit for the borough because of the, the fact that people weren't coming to campus. So as that has recovered, uh, that has helped them. And obviously the restaurants uh, have, are now doing, doing better uh, and, a lot of people, you know, we we really tried. We in the community tried to utilize uh, restaurants, uh, takeout services as much as possible to really try to support the members of the greater community to help them survive this. So we we worked together as a group. We met regularly with the the uh, the mayor of the borough, and and uh, we all got through it together. And kind of to that point, I know you guys have an event coming up where you're kind of opening your doors to the community. Yes. Well, we've, we've, we're wrapping up our 150th anniversary year. This has been, it's been a, a little bit of a strange year to be celebrating our 150th with all these things going on, but we've had a, a great year celebrating our long traditions as a, as a, a teacher education institution and evolving into uh, a, a four-year school and ultimately now a, a, an R2 research university with a, with a strong focus on, on students and we, we realized that uh, while we are a university in this community, many members of the community 
um, see us as sort of a monolithic uh, organization. They don't really know how to engage with us. So we're, we're wrapping up. We have an event on the, on the 23rd of, of uh, April where we're wrapping up our 150th celebration and we're throwing the, the campus open to the community and encouraging people to, to come and uh, sit in on some class demonstrations. Uh, we, have, we have a geography department with GIS capabilities and they have drones and uh, all sorts of interesting uh, experiments that the chemistry faculty can do and the theater faculty and looking at our, our facility. So we're really hoping that we have a great turnout of members of the community free of charge to just come and, and spend a few hours engaging on the campus and really getting to know us a little better. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.